Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to today's edition of the show. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're speaking about a topic that may seem far removed if you're right now hunkered down at home. Maybe you're in an area of the country where you're not able to get up and move about as freely as you would like, but uh, you may be actually subjecting yourselves to some physical challenges and not challenges because of inactivity. Matt Peel is my guest here to help me with this dialogue. Matt, it's great to have you with us for today's show. Hello, Dr. DeRose. How are you today? I am very well. How about you? I'm pretty wonderful. Matt, you are somebody who is well-known in many exercise circles. You're the author of the book, The Athlete in the Game of Life. For those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a corrective exercise specialist. I've been so since the beginning of this year during the pandemic, and I, I wrote my book earlier with the pandemic also. But overall, I've been in the fitness industry as a personal trainer since 2008, and I've worked in California, I've worked in Mississippi, and I work now here in the New Orleans, Louisiana area, and I've been with clients of all ages, all types of goals, all sizes. What really fires me up is helping people get their posture back, get their muscles functioning, and helping them do everything that they really enjoy doing out there. This is such a tremendous message, Matt, and I know it's one that's so needed right now. And I'm just really excited that you're with us for today's broadcast. Before we dive into the topic uh, too far, I always like to remind our listeners, of course, this is a pre-recorded show. We're recording it in December of 2020, and uh, you'll be listening to it, hopefully, not too far down the road as you're tuning in right now to this program. Matt, as we mentioned that background, I mean, things are rapidly changing, and I know in your industry... As I think about the ravages of COVID-19, I don't know of industries that have been hit harder than things like restaurants and health clubs. And I'm really excited about people like you who are saying, hey, there's needs for our services right now. And, and I'm going to find ways to reach out and make a difference for people. Is that part of what inspired you to come out with the book? Absolutely. Uh, life is changing for everybody, regardless of what your industry is. And one of the main drivers is from people doing what we're doing right now, even more all day long. Mm -hmm. And I kind of affectionately came up with a couple terms called uh, becoming the zoom zombie in your okay. meeting mayhem every day, you know, just like the commercial, you know, mayhem's out there and mayhem is out there. But what I'm talking about is what it does to your body physically from being sedentary all day long and the chronic pain that develops. So in our industry, you know, there's, opportunity to work with people in this situation on a zoom though uh luckily in where i live gyms are not closed do we have reduced capacity sure but gyms are open but that's not the case in a lot of part of the country mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i mean this is one of the ironic things that i've seen evolve over my years as a physician so i can remember going going way back and i'm able to do that but going way back we would 
deal with people with arthritis, we put them on bed rest, you know, especially if they had inflammatory arthritis, like a rheumatoid arthritis. That whole paradigm shifted, and movement is part of what we're using to treat rheumatologic conditions. So a lot of folks, when they hear about people sitting around, they think, well, you know, that might actually be good for their joints, but we see just the opposite. Tell us a little bit why the sedentary lifestyle, the Zoom lifestyle, if you will, is so hazardous to our health. Humans, as you know, Dr. Droz, were not meant to be stationary. Uh, as most of your audience being Native Americans, you know, look at the history of them. They're nomadic tribes, right? We're moving, we're on the go, we're doing things throughout our lives. So sitting, staring, forcing ourselves now into this box where we're like this or like this all day long, staring at a device is not a natural mammal type of activity. And what it does is it begins to pull your body in directions that it's not meant to be in with your hurting pain in your low back, in your hips, pulling your neck, pulling your shoulders forward, pains in your ankles. And one thing can lead to another. There's a term out there that you may be familiar with called regional interdependence. And what does that mean? It just means that our body is connected. So if your body is being pulled out of whack, maybe at your hips, well, the rest of the body has to compensate for it, whether it's in your shoulders, again, whether it's in your knees, whether it's in your ankles. And over time, this forces us to remodel and we have to make a change or else we're going to continue down that negative road. I mean, this is such a great point. I mean, so many times over the years, Matt, I've had patients come into the office. Actually, now I'm doing telemedicine and you know, people will talk with me, though, whether it's on telemedicine or in person, they'll say, Hey, I twisted my ankle, starting to get better, but now my hip's hurting me or my shoulder. Uh, I mean, you're hitting this right on because a lot of times we don't think about it. We injure something, we tweak something, and then we start changing our body mechanics and get into other problems. Why does this take on such a different shape, a different picture now that we're in this uh, environment where a lot of people are not getting out as much? I think what you just said before is they we were getting, even though we were very sedentary and not to say that we are these active people moving around all the time, but we had opportunities. At least we could walk to the car and then park in your parking garage and walk to your office, walk to lunch. There were ways for us to get out, but now we're so locked into doing this all the time and responding that if you don't respond to your email, your phone, your call and in 2.6 seconds, people are like, well, what's going on? I know you're at home. There's no reason why you shouldn't be answering me right now. So this constant connectivity just exacerbates a problem that's really been in existence for years. No, I think this is such a, a great analysis of where we're at. And of course, there are folks in Indian country and in more rural settings. They may not have reliable internet, even though they may be under some shelter in place orders in some parts of the country. Uh, a lot of folks are able to continue, like you mentioned, some semblance of normalcy, but others, especially in urban areas, and of course, many of our Native Americans in our country are in those urban settings. I'll tell you, we got different challenges for different people, but there's a message that you're trying to give in your book. And what I hear coming out of this, and you let me know, uh, first of all, one of the things that you're first saying, and it really goes back to something that I learned in medical school, and that is we had a saying, the first step in treatment is diagnosis. Am I understanding right that one of the things you're trying to get folks to be attentive to are, are maybe some early warning signs that there are problems? 
Absolutely. And one of the things, the first thing that I do as a corrective exercise specialist and working with people is an assessment. You, I'm, I'm not a doctor, uh, but I am as a fitness professional, we have to establish a baseline just with doctors and then figure out, eliminate what is it that is not causing the problem as much as what is causing the problem. Mm -hmm. And so I do something called an overhead squat assessment or someone just puts their hands above their head and mm -hmm. then does some squats for me. And depending on how their knees are, their, their feet and ankles positioned, any type of lean and, or shift in any direction, I can then diagnose what's going on in their movement patterns and then have an intelligent conversation about it and find out, do they have injuries or is it just because you know, you're sitting in one certain way at your computer all the time and you don't re realize it. And back to that remodeling uh, that I discussed, now your whole body just shifts in that direction. And then it does become painful to get you back into proper posture and proper positioning. Now, this is really exciting stuff. I know we've got a, a big uh, station in Louisiana that carries our show. So some of the folks are jotting down Matt Peel. Like, I got to get down there. I want this assessment from him in person. But the reality is, I mean, I got listeners in Alaska. I've got folks in the, the Northeast, the Northern Plains. Uh, New Orleans is a long ways away. So how in your book can you help someone get a diagnosis without sitting in the presence of Matt Peel? Well, there's opportunities in my book that explain about my coaching programs, and they're done either in a group setting um, or one-on-one, -on -one, depending on what type of package you, you want to do. And they're all done Zoom and online. So someone can be in this type of setting and perform these assessments for me. And from there, we can develop a program that suits their needs, works on their chronic pain that over time doesn't happen in one day, right? You didn't develop this back pain just mm -hmm. because you bent down to tie your shoes hopefully not, then you can begin to correct your posture and get yourself in a position. So again, it's to enjoy the activities you do most, whether it's being a weekend golfer like me, playing tennis, maybe you enjoy getting out in the yard a little bit and digging around and, and digging your planters. You know, it, my goal is to help you be happier. So this is great news. And as, as we're talking together, Matt, I'm starting to think about patients that I've seen over the years. And we're going to throw some uh, situations out here for you. And you could just kind of just check me as a physician. Let me know if, if maybe I've been reading too much into some of this stuff. But over the years, I mean, before everything changed as far as work settings and environments, one of the things I saw a lot of was upper back, neck, headaches, and as I would talk with people about their body mechanics, it seemed that a lot of these folks were doing a lot of what we call flexion. You know, they were looking down, you know, uh, and over the years, it seemed like if I could get people to be conscious of this, maybe to to uh, to put their work surface up. I mean, here we're on Zoom. We're, we're looking, you know, we're standing in more neutral positions. We're not looking down like this. That actually has seemed for many folks to be one of the postural issues that was at the root of those upper back, neck, uh, headache uh, problems. It, it, was I reading into that correctly, or do you think I was connecting the dots perhaps, uh, well, maybe a little bit shoddily? No, you, you're right on, Dr. Rose. It's something called text neck or a forward mm -hmm. head position. And you're right, you know, because we're down, we're looking at our phones and, and you look around and you obviously see everybody looking down at their phones and mm -hmm. that does excess flexion, weak extension in the cervical extensors, you know, behind your head. And what does that do? Also, obviously it rounds your shoulders, 
tightens your chest or your, your pectoral muscles. And then you can't stand up. You can't have full scapular retraction to bring your arms back. If you want to play tennis, for example, and you want to do that big tennis serve, how can you get your shoulder back there? Because your chest is so tight and your upper back is so weak, there's no way you can really get on top of the ball and give a nice forceful serve. And and that's just you know an example of, of wanting to go out and enjoy some activities, but you're absolutely right. So what to me is so exciting about this is we're talking about a topic that is Really, I'll just be honest with you. It's not on most people's radar screens. You know, nobody, nobody comes into my office. I can't, I can't think of an example where anyone's come into my office and said, you know, I'm having these pains. I think it might have to do with my posture. I, I've just never heard that. And yet it, it seems to be so critical, isn't it? Absolutely. They don't think about it's because of the way I'm sitting all day or because I am seated all day in a position. There's got to be something else going on with me. It's work stress. That's why my head is hurting. Well, if you really take a picture of your body and, and you're all hunched over, as I say, like the hunchback of Notre Dame, you know, I guarantee you the hunchback of Notre Dame is feeling a lot of pain. <laughs> There's a reason he's <laughs> in that position. So your patients probably are too, but it just doesn't connect. And, and that's why I wrote this book. And we're talking about this is to bring this to light that it's not normal to feel that way. So it's so forgive yourself one that you do and let's work on a natural way to get you back. It's, it's not always just a medication. Here's some pain pills that'll take care of you. This is great stuff. And we want to walk the folks through some of the, the insights you have in the book, but I know some are going to want to pick up a copy. How does someone do that? It's available on Amazon right now. So they can just go to amazon.com. They can also go to my website, mattpeel.com and my last name is spelled p-e-a-l-e and right at the top you can click on the link and go ahead and order your book and get it shipped there right to you now have i got the name correctly the book is called the athlete in the game of life it is stretch strengthen live and thrive and as a matter of fact i have one right here in front for all you viewers that are out there so take a look at that and uh, it's not a very long and extensive read, but it's packed full of information that hopefully can change your life. Okay. Well, if if you're a reader, you're going to want to pick up a copy of uh, of Matt's book. We'll tell you more about that as we go along through the show. But if you're not, we've got good news for you as well, because what we've got offered for you is an opportunity to, you got it, to uh, to learn from Matt himself. So we've got a lot more coming up in today's edition of the broadcast Matt is staying by. I encourage you to do the same because these are things that can make a difference for you, your tribe, your community, wherever you're at. These are life-changing insights. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've got more coming up right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. For 13 and one half years, I was the victim of severe child abuse. I was being beaten, cursed, and deprived of any kind of love and care. It was a big secret. Children are born to be loved, not to be abused. 
If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back. I am Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Matt Peel. Matt is trying to help folks throughout the country and the world actually survive what often is a more sedentary lifestyle. Now, that's not his goal, nor is it mine, to encourage you to sit in your chair more. But the reality is many folks are sitting in their chairs more. I'm thinking of myself, Matt, as we're talking. I used to see patients in a real-life medical clinic, and I would be running from room to room. I'd get a lot of activity, a lot of movement. It was a big clinic. But now I'm doing telemedicine. So all my patients are coming to me on the phone, and I consciously have to get up between every patient, even even though I may not feel I need to, I've just found, you know, I think it only took me a few patients to realize I got to get up, I got to move around between each patient, just like I was doing in the clinic. Uh, it seems a lot of folks are still at the point where they haven't made that connection. Are you finding a lot of folks haven't really realized that it's dangerous just to sit in one place for very long? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's why one of my clients um, who's Actually, testimonials right on the back of the book. His name is uh, Hank Adams, and he's a financial investment advisor. And he is on Zoom calls, on sales calls, you know, checking the market all day long at his laptop. And the first time I saw him, you know, he was hunched over. He had uh-huh. pains in his shoulders. I watch him squat. He doesn't really drop, you know, bend at the knees. He bends at the hips. His knees flare out. Why? Because his calves and his ankles are so tight from whatever else he may or may not be doing, his body is all out of whack. So we really had to take back a few steps because I like to get stronger. I like to look better for my girlfriend, maybe lose a few pounds, which is great for everybody. But we have to slow down 
and let's get your muscles and your joints functioning properly. So again, you can go out and do the things that you enjoy most. So big time I see it. This is uh, such a great message. And we want to talk now to folks who may be listening. And I think one of the things, Matt, as I'm thinking about patients that I've seen over the years, so oftentimes folks, quote, know what their problem is. They got a hip problem, a knee problem. And when we evaluate them, when we get the MRIs, we do the physical exam, get the history, oftentimes the source of the problem is different than what the patient thinks. They may have a, a disc problem in their back and they're having hip pain. Uh, they may think their problems with uh, their wrist but or, or their elbow, and it really is down in their wrist, you know, or vice versa. So you've written about something in your book. Um, you talk about these uh, kinetic checkpoints. Can you help us understand what this whole concept is all about? Sure, absolutely. So your kinetic checkpoints are basically your major joints of the body. They're your feet and ankles, your knees, your LPHC, or your lumbo-pelvic hip complex, up into your thoracic spine, or kind of your upper back, and then into your, your head and neck. And just because you have problems, say your, your knees are hurting you and you can't figure out why, like you said, it doesn't stem from your knees. It could be because of your lack of flexibility in your ankles. And so what does that do? It draws your knees in when you go to bend down to pick something up because you just don't have that range of motion or it's called dorsiflexion in your ankles. And that's what's actually causing pain in your knee. I had a client, we'll go a little bit upper body, who had big time pain in his shoulders. And I was just looking at him and, and analyzing his posture. I said, well, it's probably because of your forward head position and the tightness you have in your traps. You know, let's look to stretch your traps out, stretch your chest and build a little bit in your upper back. So we started doing it. Lo and behold, his pain is starting to go away because it's pulling his muscles back into position. So I can see where a lot of this stuff is really powerful when it's hands-on, when they've got someone coaching them, when someone's working with them, when they're observing them. How do you translate that all into a book where someone can pick up a copy of your book and they can read through it and they can gain insights and actually put things to work? There's some tips in there on how to do that. And like anything else, at the end, probably working with a corrective exercise specialist like myself, will help you more than just reading a book. Um, mm -hmm. But at least it brings it to light that you're having these problems and that also the fact you're not alone. There's a little story in the book about uh, Howie the executive, and that's how this, uh, the book opens up. And Howie is a guy in his mid-40s, I'm 45 years old, who just can't seem to figure out why he's not feeling right. He thinks he's still 30 in his brain or 28, but his mm -hmm. body doesn't move the way it, it used to because of the years of being seated and, and just stationary and sedentary this his whole life. So he's got to change something and he's not having really enjoying life with his wife and his kids. So the book is really just make you aware that you're not alone. There is help for you and it doesn't involve surgery. It doesn't necessarily involve pills or medications. We just have to work on your physical positioning a little bit more. So I know a lot of folks throughout Indian country are resonating with this because over the years, as I've worked with First Nation peoples, Matt, time and time again, I've heard that, you know, all these drugs, these, you know, pharmacology, this is really not indigenous medicine, okay? Uh, if you want to talk about natural remedies, you want to talk about exercise, you want to talk about activity, 
people resonate with these themes. So you're really talking to my audience, and of course we have lots of uh, non-native listeners as well. So folks are saying, okay, so this guy's talking our language, but they've got some practical questions. Let's we, We've talked a little bit about a number of different topics, but let's try to give some practical counsel for some specific conditions. We've talked a fair amount about the neck and the upper back, the arms, but maybe kind of pull that all together for us. Someone's listening right now. They're getting headaches. Maybe they saw a doctor. The doctor said it's muscle tension headaches. They gave them a pill like Baclofen or Flexeril, one of these common muscle relaxers. What other option might there be for someone like that? So let's talk about a typical situation, like you said, that's happening. And typically your chest muscles are tight because your shoulders are rounded constantly from your positioning at a keyboard or or staring down at, at your phone or some type of device. And it also lengthens or weakens the muscles of your upper back. So what we have to do is stretch your pectoral muscles. So a great way to do that is to put your arm, I know I'm going to kind of demonstrate a little bit. We'll put our arm at an L position, shoulder height. We can put it right there in the door. We'll just lean forward with good posture. Get a good stretch in your pectoral muscles. You can just do that on the back wall, like right here behind me. Do it on each side. Hold about 15 or 20 seconds. And then what we have to do is strengthen the corresponding weak muscle. So we can do something like, again, these are things we can do at home. You don't need a health club or gym. You can put your arms out in front of you, and you can just bring your elbows back and begin to retract your scapula. You can even hold a couple cans of beans or whatever you have in your pantry to get a little bit resistance if you seem it's too easy just holding, uh, pulling your arms back. Those are great ways to begin to help with your posture. So we've been trying to release some video content that goes along with our radio show, and hopefully we can pull some of that off because we're actually recording this interview via Zoom, and Matt has been showing some of his uh, highly honed exercise moves. But as I was watching you, Matt, for those who are only hearing the audio portion, a lot of what you were doing in that last uh, segment where you were talking about strengthening some of those muscles that are weak looked an awful lot like what someone might do on a rowing machine. Was I picking up on that correctly? Sure. You that you can call that a row. A, basically, a row is your hands out in front, and then you're just pulling your elbows back. Uh, one thing that you have to think about, and this is a great cue I give to people, is think about a string on your elbows pulling. That way you're just not collapsing your arms and using your biceps. Mm. You want to keep that 90-degree angle as much as possible to engage your upper back muscles because those are the ones that need to be strengthened, not your necessary biceps. On the contrary, your biceps need to be stretched. So for a video, let's stretch our biceps because those get tight as our arms are constantly contracted on our keyboards. Okay, you got me working here. And so what Matt was illustrating, boy, you know, I understand why folks say a picture is worth a thousand words. So basically, you're put, instead of moving your... Uh, Boy, I, I want to use all these medical terms, but for lay folks, you're kind of pushing your wrist backwards as you're stretching your arm out, right? Kind of, am I describing that? Extend your arm for those of us that are listening, and hopefully you're not <laughs> driving as you're trying to do this, but you're going to extend your arm out, and I'll do it from the video. Extend your arm, let's put out with your palm straight up. You want to grab your fingers and just lightly press back on them and feel a stretch in your forearm or bicep. You can then flip your arm underneath so your fingers are pointed down. And same thing, a little pressure there on your fingers, which again stretches your forearm and your bicep. And again, you can hold that 15 seconds or so, and you can do that on each arm. 
And that can help also with elbow pain, or as we discussed, maybe your pain is up in your shoulder, but it stems from down here in your biceps or in your, your forearms. So uh, for those of you that are saying, boy, I want to see what Matt's doing, the way to get access to our bonus video content, we put it out for about half the shows. We're going to really work hard to get this one out on video. It comes out on my YouTube channel, which goes out through my uh portal, which is called Compass Health, Compass Like Giving You Direction, Compass Health Consulting on YouTube. So if you look there, you'll see the uh, the playlist for material from this radio broadcast, and you can actually get the benefit of some additional insights, practical insights from Matt Peel. Matt, before we have to step away at the end of this segment, one more time for folks who can't stay by for the whole show, they want to get your material, where do they go to connect with you? You can go to my website, which again is mattpeale.com. You can also go to my Facebook page, which is Athlete in the Game of Life, and like that, and check out some of the posts there. Or if you're a, a, a Twitter person, uh, at Matt Peel, and uh, try to stay active on there and just get involved in that. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. Great. We do have to step away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more right after this. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. The most negative thinking in my childhood was the things said to me. I felt like I was a bag of garbage waiting to go to the dump. Please, moms and dads, put a watch on your mouth as you relate to your children. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Heard-Garris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Every year, hundreds of teens drown. If your teen hasn't learned to swim yet, it's never too late. Even if your teen is a strong swimmer, make sure to supervise kids of any age. No one should swim alone. Teach them to enter the water feet first, wear life jackets on a boat, and never use alcohol or drugs on the water. Drowning is preventable. For more, visit HealthyChildren.org. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with the second half of today's edition of the broadcast. I am Dr. David DeRose. Matt Peel has been sharing with us things that are so practical, they're drawn from his experience in exercise physiology. He is a specialist in uh, the area of corrective exercises. He is also the author of the book, The Athlete in the Game of Life. If you're just joining us, Athlete in the Game of Life on Facebook is one way to find him. Matt Peel. P-E-A-L-E dot com is another way to connect with him. Matt, we have been talking about, I think, some really practical stuff. And over the break, we were speaking about an area that I have had an interest in for many years. You know, today, folks are not all that enamored by DVDs. A lot of folks don't even have DVD players. But in the day, I did a number of educational series that came out on DVD. One of them I called The Brain Health Revolution. And in that series, I talked about a compound called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF. And when I mentioned it to audiences, most people just gave me these blank stares. But you have been someone who's been uh, interested in this natural compound made by the brain. Why are you so interested in it, and what does it have to do with our current topic? BDNF1 is how we build brain cells in, in the hippocampus. And the only way we can do that is by elevating the heart rate, and that's through exercise. You can't do brain games and sit out there and, and play whatever you want on the computer or sit longer in class or on your doing uh, whatever those puzzles are. I forget the, what they're called, so, Sudoku or something like that. Uh, that. That doesn't do it. it. Sure, it sure it helps, but the only way is elevating that heart rate, being physically active, building those brain cells, which helps to do things like push off signs of Alzheimer's and dementia. For kids, I know we'll take a little piece of that and say they got to get out and have physical education and physical activity because that's how they're going to learn things and get better grades. It's not sitting behind that desk listening to that teacher like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 all the time. They got to be active too so that they can learn better. And there's really two times, as you know, Doc, that are we're plastic, and that says youth. And as we age. Yeah, this is a fascinating topic. I mean, I got interested in BDNF because it was linked to things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's as well as depression. You mentioned some of the connections with, uh, with learning. And uh, definitely one of the important ways to raise BDNF is with physical activity. And I think you make a good case for saying, hey, if you're serious about your brain health, you got to focus on the physical activity component. Um, not being a corrective exercise specialist myself and having a bit broader domain, I, of course, would also tell people like things like uh, caloric restriction. And uh, there clearly is a role for mental challenge in some of these things. We don't want to diminish these things. But I think your point, Matt, is really well taken. And that is don't rely on just uh, a couple of uh, couple of elements to try to hedge your bets when it comes to staving off neurodegenerative diseases or optimizing your mental performance. You've got to have, uh, if we were to use the financial analogy, a diversified portfolio, and that has got to include physical activity. So what does that mean, really? For, for someone sitting, listening to this show, maybe they're driving, maybe they're at home, they're doing some activities around the house. What's the practical message that you like to give people as far as brain performance? 
I always like to tell people, number one, do what you enjoy. And I'll use my store, for example. I, I hate running. I'll be completely honest with you. I don't jog. I don't want to go out for a jog. I got better things to do than to go out for a jog. But if you say, hey, Matt, you want to go play basketball? You want to go play soccer? You want to go do something physically active? I'm in. I, I, I got plenty of time for that. I just don't enjoy running around the block. But I'll sprint up and down a court or a field for sport all day long. So you got to do what's enjoyable to you. And second of all, yeah, you're going to break a sweat. You got to get the heart rate elevated. There's two different things. There's physical activity and then there's physical exercise. Exercise is planned, structured, and progressive. Physical activity is just, well, I'm cleaning the house. I'm vacuuming, which is great. But I'll tell you what, if, if your heart rate is at 70% of its max from vacuuming, you got some other problems. So we really need to find ways that we can keep our heart elevated for longer periods of time. Okay. Well, I appreciate this message. And we, some years ago, wrote a book uh, called 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. It's uh, it's a best-selling book on high blood pressure. And your, your dialogue reminds me about one of the discussions we had, because there's three of us, three health professionals who co-authored the book. But we were talking about, do we call this chapter, we have a chapter on uh, exercise and activity. Do we do we call it physical activity or do we call it physical exercise? Uh, we actually ended up using the broader term physical activity, but I really appreciate you making that distinction because over the years I've had so many patients when I talk with them about exercise, they say, "Oh well, I do a lot. You know, I'm doing a lot of housework. I I, I walk a lot on my job." But you're talking about really helping everyone listening today to maybe ramp that up a level. Am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. And no, physical activity is important. It, back to the, being sedentary. So it's important to be physically active and walking the dog and cleaning the house, cutting the grass, whatever you may do. But don't confuse that with true physical exercise, which is higher intensity than just cutting the grass. And you need that. You need to do both. But that exercise is critical, and that's what's going to help build the BDNF help push off the cognitive decline, and then make your basic physical activity that much easier. Now, I'm going to take issue with what you said, because you mentioned cutting the grass. Now, I know it's true. Some people are cutting the grass, sitting in a lawnmower. Others have these you know, self-propelled mowers. But I just want to ask you a question, because in my day of, uh, of, of lawn maintenance, I would actually run with a push mower. Now, doesn't that give me some credit for uh, physical exercise and not just activity? That that does. That does. Okay, okay fair enough. Okay. No one's doing that now. If they are, people are going to say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Okay, very good, Matt. Sorry about telling some stories on myself. <laughs> Let's move the dialogue a little bit to another topic, and it's a related topic that you mentioned in your book. So we're talking about the athlete in the game of life. You use a term that, if I'm going to be really honest and really Stretch my brain. I don't think I've ever heard an exercise physiologist, a corrective exercise specialist like yourself, anyone in the fitness industry talk about neuroplasticity. First of all, what is it and why is it so important to you? Neuroplasticity is the ability of our brain to really rewire itself and the neurons that um, grows from doing complex movements or learning to play an instrument. And why is that important? Because, well, one, that's how we learn to, for a stroke victim, to walk again, to talk again, to use different parts of their body that they lost with the stroke. 
So from an older standpoint, say older 60, 65, it's kind of being able to teach the old dog the same old tricks. And that has to do with their balance. You know, if we're not balancing or putting our body into extreme, and I don't mean extreme, like, you know, bungee jumping extreme, Mm -hmm. but, you know, maybe standing on one foot and trying to reach up and take a mug out of the cabinet and you're not real sure. So you hesitate and boom, that's where you fall. So being able to train your body, retrain your body to be balanced and stable and have coordination is going to help you avoid things like falls and slips and trips, which then lead to hospital visits. Okay. So this is really interesting to me, Matt, because we're speaking about something that is so practical, and yet many folks think, well, I'm going to avoid activity because I don't want to get hurt. I mean, this is the classic thing, and one of the things that we see when someone has a serious injury, especially as they get older, one of their fears is actually doing the very things that might help prevent a problem in the future. Can you help walk us through this kind of strange uh, dynamic? Absolutely. Humans don't like change and they're going to avoid discomfort. That's just a natural human reaction. Uh, So if we're used to using, I'm right-handed, so I'll use that example, always my right hand or right leg to do something. And now I'm in a position where I can't use my right hand or right leg and I have to use my left hand or left leg. There's no confidence mentally. There's also no stability. So when I go to use that, maybe I need to step laterally with my left foot down onto something, but the strength isn't there because I never use it. Now we have things like an ACL injury or a knee injury because it buckles and it's not used to holding up my weight. So in working with clients, um, it's very important for me to teach them to use both sides of their body. I have a, an older client's a CPA and, and a lot of it when we started is just having them balance. He had to step forward and backwards and forwards and backwards. And he was all out of shape and, and, and rocky because he hadn't done it with his left leg. Now, after training him for a few months, his, his name is Don and he's in the book, then he's gotten that confidence and he's not as unstable anymore. So really, a lot of what you're arguing for is structured movement, trying to break out of these cycles that some of us have been pushed into of being in more sedentary settings, uh, sitting in front of the computer, sitting in front of uh, uh, the camera on your smartphone, whatever the situation might be, and trying to be more active. Do you help people in your book or in your counseling, give them a specific game plan on how they can ramp up their movement? When they work with me in in coaching or training environments, I do. In the book, there are not a specific protocols, and that's because you have to be assessed first. It's kind of hard just to throw out, here, go do this. And and I know there's a lot of that on YouTube um, or in magazines. Just go do this. It worked for me. Well, if you look at this person, they're a a 32-year-old former athlete who's still in tip-top shape trying to communicate this to a 48-year-old who hasn't touched a sport or ball in the last 20 years. Mm. There's a little disconnect there. So it really is, let's customize something for you and make sure that you're not hurting yourself. That's the last thing we want is for someone to go out too hard, too fast, hurt themselves, and now you're back in the same position, even worse than when you started. So talk to the person right now. You're getting them motivated. They've been listening to the show. Maybe they've watched some of the bonus video content, and they say, hey, I'm in. I want to start doing better. 
and they go to, to Amazon, let's say, and they look up Matt Peel, uh, P-E-A-L-E. Uh, they maybe even remember the name of the book, The Athlete in the Game of Life. What is that book going to do for them as far as helping them take things to the next level? It's going to want to help them recognize. I, I, a fraternity brother of mine, he, he read the book and he said, Matt, this is the first book that I've ever read that made me actually sit up and stand up straight and start adjusting myself correctly and bringing the book up to my eye level to read it instead of hunching over and, you know, getting into your book, really into your couch. Uh-huh. It was the opposite. So it's alert and hopefully relating to Howie that, hey, this, there's hope for you out there. If you follow some of these instructions, and there's some basic nutritional guidance in there too, you can take the first steps on your way to alleviating your chronic pain. Again, naturally, I know your audience, like Native Americans out there, they want to do things naturally. They don't want the pills. They don't want to just cover up pain. How can we get back into having fun in our lives? And that's really what it's about. Let's, Let's have fun. Let's enjoy being active. Great stuff. So again, Matt Peel is my guest. His book is called The Athlete in the Game of Life. Also, you can get a hold of Matt and uh, really tap into his services. Matt, before we step away, and we've just got a moment, can you tell us how someone can connect with you directly? They can um, well, They can email me at athleteinthegameoflife at gmail.com. That's probably the best way for just that direct connection. They can go to my website, mattpeel.com, and check things out, as well as my Facebook page, Athlete in the Game of Life. Very good. We're going to be back with more for our final segment from Matt Peel. It's something you don't want to miss, a lot more practical insights for you. I'm Dr. David DeRose. More coming up right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. If child abuse victims don't get counseling or help, they so often become abusers themselves. The victim doesn't make the decisions. They just take the orders. I got help. And so can you. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. If you own firearms, it's your responsibility to make sure they're always stored safely. Hiding them in a closet or drawer is not enough. Kids know where they are. Research shows the risk of injury and death is lower if guns are stored unloaded and locked up with the ammunition locked in a separate place. This is important when children are young as well as when they grow into teenagers. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you, and we're concerned. Like what? Who? Some of your friends, teachers. Sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends? So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal. But taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana. Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and and want to know what's going on. That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age. The physical and mental health effects, the poor decision-making, 
and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say? Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back for our final segment of today's edition of our broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Matt Peel has been sharing with us insights on how you can really thrive, even if your activities seem more limited as a result of the pandemic or something else that's going on in your life. Matt, one of the things that I know always comes up in the dialogue when we're speaking about fitness, we invariably end up talking about weight. And there's a lot of folks who say, hey, don't bother exercising if you're trying to to lose weight. You really got to change your diet. And then I got folks in the you know exercise side of things that are saying, hey, if all you're doing is changing your diet, you're missing part of the equation. I think if you listen to a balanced group of people, they're going to say, Physical exercise and physical activity, as well as proper eating habits, are both important. Do you actually embrace this as far as your fitness uh, protocols? Absolutely. It is a combination of both. You can't out-exercise a bad diet. And at the same time, when people think of dieting, the first three letters of that are die. (laughs) And the last time I checked with somebody, dying was not on their top 10 bucket list of things to do. Fair enough. So it really is about let's make healthier choices with our foods, a little bit less of the processed, and let's look at eating more plant-based, natural you know, you know, meats, fish, poultry. And in my book, I just talk about some overall guidelines on how to do so and make some changes maybe in your snacking. One of the things that we talk about being at home a lot is it's easier to go right into the kitchen and grab some chips, grab some cookies, mm-hmm. grab a, a, a cupcake or whatever. Let's maybe grab some carrots, have an apple, things that you like. Another analogy I give is you don't like Brussels sprouts, don't eat Brussels sprouts. It's fine. There are other plenty of options that fit your taste buds. Go for those. And, and that's how you're going to stick to just some healthier choices overall. Yeah, I appreciate your emphasis you know, on the plant-based, even though you mentioned you know, some of the animal products. Of course, folks in Indian country historically, I don't know of a tribe that didn't use some wild game or fish or things of this nature. But it's really been interesting uh, for me, at least the circles I'm in in Indian country, to see such a refocusing on some of these simple plant foods, like you mentioned. Uh, may not necessarily be carrots or apples, maybe the three sisters, the corn, the beans, the squash. But the point is the same. What we hear you saying is, hey... Back before European contact, there were no uh, uh, potato chip factories, no candy bar factories, no uh, no bakeries, okay? They were eating close to the land. So I really appreciate that emphasis, and I know my listeners do as well, Matt. You know, the other question that comes, and I think we've, we've spoken of this issue, but I think you address it maybe a little bit more comprehensively in your book, and it has to do with the working environment, the so-called subject of ergonomics. Can you help break that down a little bit for us? Absolutely. It, when we're working from home now, sitting at the dining room table, as you probably see behind me for those on the video, 
that's not conducive for eight to 10 hours a day of being online. Your back's going to hurt. Your butt's going to hurt. It's just going to make your problems worse. So if we can at least stand or find ways to stand and, and have our screens at eye level to us more of the day than we are looking down at them with that forward head position, that's super important. If you can invest into a, a chair that supports natural posture, great. Uh, I think as employers out there are going to have to kind of wake up soon and start providing these types of tools if people are going to continue to be working from home. It, it's going to be super important for productivity. So what I hear you saying is if we've got, it, let's say, someone who's involved with a tribal enterprise, maybe a tribal council member tuning in, and you're thinking about the folks that are employed by your tribe, one of the things we should be proactively thinking about is their home work environment if we have those folks working from home. Am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. It, it's, it's an investment. Uh, but when people were going into an office, you know, wherever that office is at, those investments, some to an extent, were being made with cubicles and office chairs and readily available and, and into a budget. Uh, now working from home, you have the furniture that you bought that was not meant to be your office. Hmm. So it's going to require a change of thought and, and probably a change of budgeting and, and investment dollars from an employer standpoint. We've talked a fair amount about upper body stuff in the course of the uh, the program. I know a lot of my listeners, if they're anything like patients that I've had walk through my office, have issues with the knees. It seems to me that uh, one of the more common lower extremity problems I have people complaining about is knee pain. Is knee pain something that's being aggravated by some of the, the work postures that have been assumed in these home environments? Oh, 100%. When you're seated for long periods of time, your quadriceps or the muscles on top of your legs, your thighs, get very tight. Same thing with your hip flexors. And that can begin to pull on your kneecap as well as your iliotibial band or the muscle running along the outer thighs. So we have to learn to stretch those. And then we got to strengthen the corresponding weakened hamstrings and glutes to help take that pressure off the knee. Also, uh, pelvic anterior tilt and bring everything back into alignment so that your hips and your knees, along with your, your feet and your ankles, can all function optimally and together. So are there some simple stretches that you could describe or simple exercises that folks could conceptualize easily, even if they're just listening on radio and not seeing any video? Absolutely. So I'll do a little bit both here, Dr. Drose, if, if you don't mind for the video. I'll, I'll step back a little bit. May, I don't know if people can see. Maybe not. But a, a great stretch that you can do it's a typical is a typical runner stretch i know you clearly can't see it in the camera though just stand on one foot hold something if you need to balance and bring your ankle up to your rear end try to pull that knee and that leg into alignment with the other one it doesn't help if we're still leaning forward we're not getting that stretch and if you say oh matt well that hurts well hey here's your wake-up call that's the point you're so tight you can't even stand up straight a way that you can then go ahead and, and so that stretch in the front end. So we want to strengthen the back end. And if we have some spot on the living room floor, we can lay on our backs, bend our knees, bring our feet as close to our rear ends as possible and push through the midfoot and raise our hips as high as we can. We're going to activate our glutes. We're going to activate our hamstrings and we're going to stretch our hip flexors at the same time. We can do a couple sets of 15 to 20 reps once or twice a day along with stretching those quadriceps. And in time, it can help lower your back pain and get you in a proper posture and 
maybe help with your tennis game, help with your golf game, things like that. Well, this is really interesting. So uh, I am not a, a tennis player, a golfer. I will freely admit I am one of those guys that like running. So uh, that's where you're more likely to see me. But uh, but anyway, so although we probably won't be out exercising together anytime soon, Matt, for those who uh, do resonate with the tennis and the golf, I know a lot of folks are saying, wow, you know, hard to get these golf lessons in now or the tennis lessons or the tennis club is closed or whatever. Is there actually ways to improve their game by doing some uh, some of these activities or is that uh, is that stretching the matter? Uh, no pun intended. Uh, no, it's not a stretch. Absolutely. We need to stretch. So yes. And I have taken golf lessons and I'm a weekend golfer and I play with a couple high school friends that, um, I've, I've given them a little bit of the workout bug. And so they're doing stretching. If you can't, let's just take that shoulder impingement. If your shoulders and chest are so tight, you can't bring your arm back to again, hit that tennis serve and get on top of it. It doesn't matter what your lessons are. If you know the proper mechanics is fine, but you can't physically perform it. You're still stuck in, in that limbo position. You're not able to improve your game. Maybe for a golfer, same thing. If you can't activate your hamstrings and glutes and be able to have a nice shoulder turn and bring your club through, it doesn't matter what your lessons are. You know what the mechanics, but you can't physically perform it. So that little bet that you have every weekend of, of 10 bucks per round or a dollar per hole, you're going to continue losing that cash. So it's time to let's stretch, let's strengthen then use the lessons that you've been taking. That'll help you out. So what I hear you saying is, uh, you know, stop betting on tennis and golf and stop putting your money into lessons. <laughs> Just buy my book, head over to, uh, to Amazon and pick up a copy of The Athlete in the Game of Life. Uh, that's what I hear you saying, man. Am I reading too much into what you're talking about? You are picking up what I'm throwing down, Doc. Okay. Hey, Matt, I know a lot of folks were enthusiastic about what you've shared. I was. Some even want to connect with you. We've mentioned it a few times on the show, but as we're winding up, uh, give us again best ways to reach you. All right. So you can go to my Facebook page, Athlete in the Game of Life. You can look me up on LinkedIn, Matt Peel. Same thing, Twitter, at Matt Peel. And kind of follow that theme. Go to my website, Matt Peel. That's P-E-A-L-E.com. Okay, and if I want to reach you by email, I've got athlete in the game of life at gmail.com. Is that you correct? You got it. Absolutely. Matt, you've been a great guest. As we, uh, as we close out the show, are there any final words of encouragement that you'd like to leave my listeners with? Find ways to be active. Whatever it is, do what you enjoy and get out there and have fun with your life. Powerful message. Matt, thank you so much. That's Matt Peel. He is the author of The Athlete in the Game of Life. Hopefully his words have encouraged you to really ramp up your game, to make a difference as it uh, relates to your physical activity and physical exercise. As always, I'm Dr. David DeRose, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One. The Native American Radio Network.